Good morning and welcome to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me in studio this morning is John Keeley. Good morning, John. Good morning, Lorraine. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good now. Raring to go. Excellent. We are also joined this morning by the wonderful Mrs. Keeley, and Keeley, who is the spiritual powerhouse of Sacred Space here. She often intercedes for our program while uh, we're recording and fires off petitions to Lourdes regularly, for, for which we're very grateful. Good morning, Anne. Good morning, Lorraine. How are you this morning? Good. Good, good. good. Great to have you here. It would be remiss of us if we didn't mention the wonderful Shane Ambrose, who is not with us this morning and won't be with us for a couple of weeks. And I know he's going to kill me, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's far away. Exactly. Shane is actually uh, taken up a new position with concern. So he is currently in Khartoum in the Republic of Sudan for the next year. Uh, Shane is still working on our blog, which we're very grateful for. And he will, please God, be joining us uh, via Skype on um, recording our programs perhaps a couple of weeks down the line when he gets more settled into his new place. So our prayers and our thoughts are with Shane this morning um, so you'll have to forgive myself and John as we prepare the saints and the gospel. The I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we will get up to uh, Shane's standard at some stage. A very special welcome to all those who are listening on radio at home, who for one reason or another might be ill or housebound today. You are very welcome. Welcome also to those who are listening like Shane in far off places. Welcome to those who are travelling maybe and those who are listening to our repeat at 10.30pm on Thursday. And yet again, let me remind you that from Sunday, the 9th of December, our repeat programme will go out on Sundays from 11pm to 12 midnight. So there's that little change in schedule. We'll remind you again of that next week. At the start of each programme, we light a little candle to remind us that we are joined together in the sacred time. No matter where we are, if we're at home or driving or resting or listening to the podcast, wherever you are, we hope that you can stay with us for the next hour. And please, God, listen to what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. As usual, the presentation of the programme will include some uh, inspirational thoughts, some music, the upcoming Saints Day what's on locally and not so locally and the Catholic media and we will reflect on today's gospel the feast the gospel for the feast of Christ the King also today we are delighted to have an interview with Reverend Professor Eamon Conway on the Synod of Bishops um, the Synod on the New Evangelization which was held recently in Rome so we look forward to hearing everything that um, Reverend Eamon has to say about that Comments to the programme would be most welcome. We're still running our little feature on what it means to be Catholic or why I'm still a Catholic. You can write to the programme here. Uh, just drop us a line to Sacred Space at West Limerick 102 Radio, Sheehan's Road, Newcastle West. You can email John at sacredspace102 at gmail.com or you can um, comment on our blog, which is sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And again, we would like to thank most sincerely all those who have contacted us, uh, either regards the blog or our programme or that little feature on why I'm still a Catholic. As usual, 
We start our programme this morning with a little prayer space because we feel it's important to get in contact with God or rather to slow down to God's pace and let him get in contact with us. So before I invite Anne to pray our spiritual communion prayer, just a little reminder of some of our prayer intentions for this year. We're coming to the close of the liturgical year. So again, perhaps during our little prayer space, you might like to remember the unemployed and those seeking work, our immigrants, especially anybody from our family or friends or community. We would like to pray for our government. God knows it. They need it. We would like to pray for vocations, for bankers and those in financial services, most especially for our priests for the Diocese of Limerick and the selection of our new bishop, for Pope Benedict XVI, for our young people, for all those who are sick, especially cancer patients, for the media and the press, and for persecuted Christians. We keep these in all our own special attentions in our prayers this morning. And Anne, you might lead us in the spiritual communion prayer, please. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I cannot now receive you sacramentally. Come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Anne. The first piece of music we're going to take is from one of our um, favourites of the programme here. It's an artist called Monica Brown. The song title is I Thank My God Each Time I Think of You. And it's from the album I Am With You Always. So let's have a listen to this. I thank my God for you each time I think of you. I thank my God for you each time I think of you. The Word of God today is an opportunity for you to thank God for someone special in your life. Giving thanks means that we appreciate someone because of who they are and because of what they have done for us. We receive so many gifts from God through people in our lives who care for us and love us. When we are thankful, our hearts are open and ready to receive even more of God's blessings that come to us through others. Take some time now to think of a particular person that you would like to thank God for today. Someone that you are aware of as a blessing in your life at this moment. Close your eyes and let this person's face come before you. Tell God why you want to give thanks for this person. Whisper 
in your heart this person's name as you slowly say, I thank my God for you. Repeat this with heartfelt gratitude, naming this person as you say, I thank my God each time I think of you. Over the next few days, try to find a way to tell this person that you are grateful to them. And remember to give thanks to God for the people in your life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the face of the Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Okay, welcome back again to Sacred Space. As I said, here in West Limerick 102, my name is John Keeley. Um, this particular week, we said we'd take an opportunity of finding out what went on at a recent synod of bishops in Rome. I'm delighted to welcome into the program um, actually someone who was actually there and might tell us a bit more about it later on. Uh, Father Eamon Conway, good morning. Good morning indeed, John. Thank you very much, Nick, for joining us. Of course, Father Conway, I believe you work here in Limerick in the Theology Department in Mary Eye, isn't that right? That's correct. It's uh, Mary Macla College. Uh, I've been here for the last 13 years, so I'm almost a local at this stage. <laughs> well, you're a bit more of a local than I am. Maybe my accent, you might do that when I wasn't born in West Limerick. But anyway, I'm here, and thanks a lot for joining us this morning. Now, uh, Father Eamon, there was a, a synod recently in Rome, um, maybe not two people are aware of um, of that at, at the moment here, but, but maybe you might just tell us, what's the purpose of a synod of bishops? Well, the synod of bishops, a synod is literally a word for a gathering. Um, okay, okay. A synod of bishops uh, is a gathering of bishops from all over the world. Every single local uh, you know, church is represented um, to help the Pope, to advise the Pope in making important decisions in the church. So since 1965, since the closing of the Second Vatican Council, there have been 13 ordinary synods, as they call them, and a number of special ones. And these uh, are on particular themes that are uh, considered of importance. So this one was on the whole future of, of faith, really, and in particular how the Church can do more to reach out to people who are not necessarily practicing uh, their faith as they did in the past or as they could or should. So uh, the Synod is really about helping the Pope uh, and advising the Pope on important decisions. 
And was this one specifically on the new evangelization? That's the theme, yeah. The new evangelization, which is really about a, a, a choice of trying to renew and, and, and bring back people, I suppose, to more active participation in, in their faith. Um, I suppose we all, at this stage, any of us who are committed, have uh, Christians, have, have members of our families, perhaps uh, people we know very well, who aren't as committed as perhaps we would like them to be. And that, of course, is, is a phenomenon all over, particularly all over Europe, mm-hmm. but not just in Europe. And so this was the theme. What can we do? How can we do more? Uh, to welcome these people back and help them to recognise the great joy and the great gift with which faith and the practising of one's faith brings. Lovely. And this particular one happened, I think, October the 7th to the 28th, so about three weeks there in October. How is a membership of a synod actually made up? How is well, it organised? each bishop's conference, that's like in Ireland here, for example, there are some 26 dioceses, just over 30 bishops. Uh, each bishop's conference, uh, depending on how big the bishop's conference is, gets mm-hmm. to nominate a number of people. In Ireland, in, in the Irish case, it was two bishops, Bishop Kieran O'Reilly of Killaloo and Archbishop Martin of Dublin. So uh, in, in all, there were 252 bishops from all over the world. And then the Pope gets to add a few names if he likes, uh, people he wants to add. And then there are representatives of the other churches. <clears throat> and then there are a few people who are invited to because they have particular experience in this case in the area of evangelization and new movements in the church. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there were a number of people who are called expert advisors, um, people like myself who are theologians who were considered by the Holy Father to have something in particular uh, to contribute uh, to, to, to the questions and the discussion and so on. So it's made up of all those different people. In all, there were probably about 350 people. It was a small room, really, um, for 350 people. We all had our seats. Somebody mm-hmm. described it like being on a, an aeroplane all day, uh, <laughs> so you can imagine what that mm-hmm. was like. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it was it was a time that the room was was quite warm and stuffy, and the Pope was there most of the time uh, at eighty six years of age and in great form, and and uh, you know, it was a great bit of inspiration to to have him sitting there with us. Great to hear. So um, there was a number of experts of which you were one, and these were people that I want to keep an eye, not to keep an eye on, but maybe to uh, look a little bit more deeply into some of the topics maybe that were being discussed. That's, that's nicely put in a way. We were there just to give advice, to identify maybe the mm. common themes that were coming up and maybe suggest how, how things could be addressed. So, I mean, just to give you examples, um, one of the issues that we're looking at was the whole future of catechesis. Okay. And, and support for catechists and, and whether or not, in fact, we should do more to recognize catechists as, as, a, as a ministry in, in the church and what would the implications of that be for the role of priests and so on. That's just one little example. Um, another one that came up was whether, in fact, we should have confirmation before communion or communion before confirmation. In different countries, this is done in different ways. And so these were kind of questions that were being asked and we're looking back at the tradition of the church, which in actual fact would reverse the order we now have to do confirmation before communion. So things like that are just the small examples, but are the kind of questions and issues that came up that we were involved in. I suppose you sort of just mentioned there sort of catechesis, and and we do hear from time to time that some of us would have grown up um, with the catechism as we knew it back a few years ago, and maybe hadn't touched base with that since. And the suggestion is sometimes that we might have lost a little bit of touch. Mm. Oh, I, I, I think very definitely... I, I suppose um, we're all concerned at the ignorance of mm. faith uh, mm. among people um, you know, who even have maybe at times studied, certainly gone to Catholic schools and so on. Mm. And so really one of the things we're looking at is how, 
how do all the, the, the different agencies in the church, the schools, um, the home, obviously the family, um, the parish, how can we do more uh, and work better together to hand on the faith? It's, it's a key, key question, and, and, and we really have to work hard at it. And I suppose if you were there for three weeks and there's a fair bit to go through, I mean, the timetable no doubt had to be structured in such a way that you allow probably the, I mean, there had to be some sort of structure there. So therefore there was, I assume, times when certain topics were discussed. But then there had to be times when people were allowed to go off and discuss what was said that particular day or on that yeah. topic. The, the, um, the Holy Father introduced, uh, Pope Benedict introduced a new feature since he became Pope, mm-hmm. what they call free intervention. Generally, bishops get so many minutes. In fact, it's quite short. It's five minutes, and their microphones are switched off if they go over time. Okay, yeah. Um, but they get about five minutes to make their point, and they can also make a written submission. If you think about it, if you have uh, like 252 mm. synod fathers all, all expected to make a contribution, they have to be very strictly timed. But then, um, so they are in prepared scripts. But then if, if somebody wants to bring up a particular point, for example, one, uh, one bishop, uh, Cardinal Turkson, uh, had some concerns about Islam and the rise of Islam in uh, in in uh, countries and the openness in Islamic countries to Christianity. Um, so he raised that as a topic in these free interventions, and others could comment and contribute on on that particular one as well. So the, the, there is a, that balance, if you like, between making sure everybody gets their 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 their, their chance to speak, and on the other hand, allowing for that kind of flexibility. Uh, so an hour every day, the last hour of every day was available for people to, to make what they called free interventions. But we started at nine in the morning, we finished at seven uh, in the evening uh, with a lunch break, and we even worked on Saturdays. <laughs> Fair dues. So I suppose this particular synod, it would have been composed of bishops and laity from Catholic, sort of representing Catholics from all over the world. So no doubt you would have heard quite a few stories, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say stories now, but maybe experiences of people living out their faith. Would you like to just share some of the things that you might have heard? Well, I, I was hugely impressed with um, m- many indeed of the lay people who presented on, on new initiatives they're taking, be that in universities uh, or in parishes uh, to renew the faith. I was very impressed with many of the bishops um, from the developing world countries Mm. where they're living in in quite difficult circumstances, and indeed in many cases in war-torn areas, Mm. um, and dealing with poverty. Just a a number of sort of lines that came to mind. One was Archbishop uh, Viegas in the Philippines, who said that you can preach to people with empty stomachs, but only if the stomach of the person doing the preaching is also empty. Yes, yes. I thought that was an important line, you know. Um, interestingly, another very impressive presenter was Cardinal, or sorry, Archbishop Rowan Williams, the outgoing Anglican primate of uh, Archbishop of Canterbury. He got to speak for an hour. Uh, clearly, himself and Pope Benedict get on very, very well together. Mm. And uh, he made a marvelous um, presentation on, in a sense, the uniqueness of the Christian way of of looking at what it is to be human, and that you know that without Jesus Christ we don't really know what it is to, to be a human being. Jesus doesn't just teach us about God, he teaches us about ourselves. And I thought it was a very powerful uh, paper, a very powerful presentation on his part. So there were there were many inspiring moments. I mean, another bishop from Asia, um, who in fact is to, be, is to be made a cardinal, I think, this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, Tagli, Archbishop Tagli of Manila, a very quiet-spoken man, a young man for a bishop in his early 50s. But he, he said... Um, that we must always be respectful before the complexity of, of the human condition and be silent at times um, when not to give sort of trivial or superficial answers. 
mm. very difficult questions and the very difficult circumstances people find themselves in. So, you know, there, there were many, I think, very wise words spoken. Um, the head of the Jesuit order, because some of those there were priests, um, mm. uh, heads of, of religious orders, the head of the Jesuits spoke about the need for us to learn from the mistakes of the past at times when we weren't respectful enough of cultures where we tried to bring the faith and uh, to learn from that before we, uh, so that we don't repeat the same mistakes, you know. So there were a lot of, I think, very open and very honest words. Actually, one of the most inspiring was the Pope himself, Pope Benedict, in his homilies. And uh, one little meditation he gave at the, at the morning prayer of the very first day of the Synod, he talked about how the new evangelization has kind of two pillars. Um, the first is, is professing or confessing the faith, as he called it, actually, you know, having the courage, very often mm. the courage of martyrs uh, in very difficult circumstances to actually say what we believe and why we believe it, but at the same time always with charity. Mm. Uh, so that, that, that strength and confidence to confess the faith on the one hand, but always with charity and with love in our hearts on the other. And there were, you know, many profound words like that. This was almost like being on a retreat in some respects, that you, you, you got so much spiritual richness uh, from listening to those people, you know. That was nice to hear that, but the surprise, I suppose, that some people would have is that the Archbishop of Canterbury was there. Yeah, as I say, um, there were quite a number of representatives of other churches. Um, mm. In fact, the first woman to speak uh, in the Synod um, was a, um, a bishop, a Methodist woman bishop in mm. the United States. Um, she's, I think, originally from South Africa, um, uh, an Afro-American, and she was the first woman to speak. The head of Mother Teresa's order is another woman who spoke very, very powerfully indeed as well. But so there, there were lots of representatives of other churches there invited. For example, the uh, Patriarch Bartholomew of Constantinople, oh, yeah. uh, mm. of, representing the Orthodox, uh, he, he also uh, was considered a very special guest. And in fact, we had lunch with the Holy Father uh, on one occasion, and uh, uh, just one occasion, and sitting on his left was, Car- uh, was Archbishop Rowan Williams, and on his right was uh, Patriarch Bartholomew. A beautiful photograph, wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. And, you know, I suppose <coughs> people who might be listening to this program here in West Glamour might be thinking, yeah, you know, this is great. I wonder how will this affect me, in fact, my faith, and so on and so forth. I mean, I suppose the obvious question would be, <coughs> I assume that what those guys were speaking about in Rome a month ago was about the real world. You know the way some people say, well, people aren't, aren't in touch. From what I've heard you say there, people were, um, the people out there were speaking about the, the problems that we all experience in terms of faith and evangelization and so on and so forth. Well, I, I, would, I would certainly say that they were. Um, I suppose the first thing is I, I would invite people to inform themselves if they have access to the Internet or they have members of their family who mm. have access to the Internet. There was a very good message. It was just called The Message. Uh, issued at the end of the synod. It's not a long document, and I would recommend people to to look for it and uh, or ask the local priest perhaps to mm-hmm. give them a copy of it. Um, the message uh, it was called the message at the end of the synod. Uh, I and if if they're part of a little prayer group or any kind of a group, I think it would be a wonderful document to take and work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not long, and I think it's 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 very straightforward. It gives certainly a sense of the of of the world church, you know. Um, to your question about what what difference would it make? Well, I suppose it'll make whatever difference we we, we allow it to make. Mm, yeah, it, mm. it's really the first person who needs to be evangelized is always myself. Yes, and mm. personal conversion is the first thing to which we're all called. Um, you know, I I I I mean that's it. All starts with us and with mm. ourselves. I think that was that was hugely recognised. 
But I think the other place the thing we recognised was that the, the fundamental place of evangelization is the family. Yeah. I suppose anything we do to build up our families in faith um, is a step in that right direction as well. And again, that's something I think we can't take for granted uh, anymore. Um, so mm. anything we can do to support family life and enable family life. And I suppose the third thing is, you know, that we become much more, in, not in any aggressive way, but much more confident in speaking about our faith. Yes, that's and, nice to hear. And, and um, you know, saying, I'm a Christian, get over it. And it does yeah. have a place to play in my life. Yeah. And yeah. and that's okay. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I think I think for a lot of young people, for example, what's needed today is the, is the, is, is just to legitimize for them the expression of their faith. Yes. You know? Yeah, I'd say so. Father, just before we leave you go, how would you sum up your own experience now with the Synod? Um, for me, it was a call to conversion. I've seen so many impressive men and women um, in often very difficult circumstances who showed not a panic, but a sense of joy about their faith. Um, that I found both uh, nourishing and challenging to try to do the same in my own context. Um, so it was a kind of a conversion experience, I suppose. That's the best way I could sum up this in it. Lovely. Um, Thank you very much. Listen, Father, thank you very much for joining us this morning and hopefully you might come and join us some other time. I'd be delighted to indeed, John, and all the best with your programme. It's a marvellous service. God bless you, Father. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. That was a lovely piece by Father Eamon there, John, wasn't it? Very, very helpful. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, I I just like the ideas of some of the themes that he picked up there about the new evangelization and about the family and about converting ourselves first. And I think there's room for thought in there. It might be a good idea with this piece of music that we're about to play. We might maybe take some time to reflect on our own selves in terms of what Father Raymond said. Lovely, John. Well, the piece of music we're going to listen to is a piece by Liam Lawton. It's called Glendalock and it's from his album entitled Time.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley. Joining me in studio this morning are John and Anne Keeley. In this part of the programme, we spend some time reflecting on the gospel. So before we do that, I'll ask um, John to lead us in our prayer before reading and reflecting on scripture, please. Thanks, Lorraine. The prayer we pray every Sunday morning goes like this. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word. May we receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So, Anne, you might read the Gospel first, please. Okay, Lorraine. It's taken from John 18. Are you king of the Jews? Pilate asked Jesus. Jesus replied, Do you ask this of your own accord, or have others spoken to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? It's your own people and the chief priest who have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, Mine is not a kingdom of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my people would have fought to prevent prevent my being surrendered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this kind. So you are a king then, said Pilate. It is you who say it, answered Jesus. Yes, I am a king. I was born for this. I came into the world for this, to bear witness to the truth. And all who have, and all who are on the side of truth, listen to my voice, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Thank you very much, Anne. That was beautiful. This morning's gospel then is taken from the feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. It's the last year or the last Sunday of the liturgical year. It's the last Sunday of the church year. Uh, The Feast of Christ the King was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925. It makes us or it encourages us to meditate on the second and final coming of the King, the coming of Jesus Christ on the last day. In the Our Father, every time we say it, we pray, thy kingdom come. Mm -hmm. So when we do pray that, we must kind of think about ourselves, well, who's the king Mm -hmm. and what is the kingdom? Mm -hmm. And that's what today's gospel, again, encourages us to look at. As well as that, when we pray the creed, we pray, um, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And again, Mm -hmm. we're talking about Jesus Christ and his kingship. So this morning's gospel, as John, as Anne said, 
takes place um, from John's Gospel, chapter 18. And it's part of a longer dialogue between Pilate and Jesus. And just a little bit of the background at this point, Jesus has been taken in for questioning. He's been passed on to the Romans from Herod. The Jews wanted to put him to death because he claims to be God. And Pilate then asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus then, knowing the background, asks him, do you ask this of your own accord or have others spoken to you about me? And Pilate's quite flippant about it, really. He says, am I a Jew? It is your own people and the chief priests who have handed you over to me. What have you done? So here you have Pilate representing Roman power, human authority, and you have Jesus, who, as we know, is God and man. And he's taking the questions and he's answering them. He replies, mine is not a kingdom of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my men would have fought to prevent my being surrendered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this kind. Jesus, throughout his ministry, was always trying to get it through to people that his kingdom was not of this world. A lot of the Jews and a lot of the um, people who came to him, even some of the apostles, were convinced that he was the Messiah. But they had this idea of a Messiah that would overthrow human authority, that would liberate Israel from um, Roman power. And all the time he was trying to tell them that this is not what he came to, to do. This was not what his kingdom was about. So Pilate responds to Jesus, so you are a king then? And Jesus answers, it is you who say it. Okay, if you must make me take the title of king. Okay, fine, I am a king. And he admits it. Yes, I am a king. I was born for this. For this I came into the world. And what did, what did he come into the world to do? To bear witness to the truth. Jesus came to reveal God the Father to us to reveal the Trinity to us, to reveal God as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He came to reveal what the kingdom of God was truly about. He came to save us from our sins and only as our Lord and God and King could he do that. And he finishes by saying, all who are on the side of truth, listen to my voice. So he's King not only of Catholics, but he came in to be King of the whole world because anybody on the side of truth is actually listening to the voice of Jesus in their hearts and in their minds. In the encyclical that was written by Pope Pius XI, which is called Quas Primus, honestly, I was just talking to John about this during the break. We said it could have been written in 2012, but it was actually written in 1925. Pope Pius XI says, Evils in the world are due to the fact that the majority of people had thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives, saying that these, i.e. Jesus and his law, had no place either in private affairs or in politics. As long as individuals and states refused to submit to the rule of the Saviour, there would be really no hopeful prospect of a lasting peace among nations. We must look for the peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ. So I suppose two thoughts that I would bring to people today is, is Jesus Christ the king of your heart and your life, and your mind? Do we hand over all things to Jesus?
Do we let him rule our lives? Or are there areas of our life or our heart that were rebellious, that we refuse to let go? And the other question we might put to ourselves is, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Do we spend more time thinking about the kingdom of the world than we do of the kingdom of Christ? Do we spend more time worried about our own position and place and authority and maybe the acquisition of wealth or status or power? Or do we work for the kingdom of Christ? Do we spread do we spend our time trying to spread, spread peace? Do we spend our time working towards charity and unity or do we spread disunity and disharmony? They're just my thoughts this morning. John, what are your thoughts on the gospel? Uh, beautiful thoughts. Um, just two things that come to my mind. One, uh, I was reminded when uh, Bishop Donal was in the studio here just a few weeks ago, and Bishop Donal was also commenting on the gospel that particular day, and, and, and the word that Bishop Donal picked up was the word listen. And it's something that I picked up right, right at the last sentence there. All you who are on the side of truth, listen to my voice. And that's so important these days. There's so many voices out there. The voices of consumerism and, and, and advertising and, and slick this and slick that. And I think we have to be so careful not to be misguided because, as Lorraine said, Jesus says in the gospel there for us, his kingdom is the kingdom of the truth. And surely whatever else we want in our lives, we want the security of knowing that we're surrounded by truth. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Otherwise, we don't know which way we're going to go. And I thought, Bishop Donald's, I, I, I can still hear, hear him saying, listen to my voice, listen to the voice of Jesus. So that's the first thing that I say to myself. The second thing I suppose we should ask ourselves, as, as Lorraine mentioned there too, is use the word control. Who's controlling our lives now? Again, is it consumerism? Is it I'm worried about fashion? Is it I'm worried about this or that or the other? Or am I really concerned about the gospel today? The gospel today is is at the end of the end of the gospel for this year. It's telling us about Christ the King. Christ came down on this earth and gave his life for us. He didn't have to, but he did. As Father Michal often says to us here, he loves us to bits. And he wants to tell us the truth and he wants us to be with him forever. So really, why would we really want to throw all that away because of some little slick advertising slogan or whatever it might be these days? So I just ask people, as we're coming into Advent and we'll be starting next week, maybe just take time to think back of where, where we've come from this year. I mean, this is the end of the church's year now. Jesus, we're told today, and we believe, is Christ the King. He loves us. He's sitting next to the Father. I think we've got so much to be thankful for. That's my little thought on that. Lovely, John. Thank you so much for that. Well, we have a piece of music again now. It's uh, by John Michael Talbot. It's called Lilies of the Field and it's from his master collection.
not so And they do not reap Yet God the Father provides for them Yet upon the earth these are among the smallest things So see you first.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102. Welcome back again to Sacred Space here on West Limerick 102. My name is Lorraine Buckley and joining me in studio this morning are John Keeley and Anne Keeley, whom we're delighted to have in studio again. Uh, just the saints for the coming week are celestial guides, as we know. Uh, on Tuesday, we have the Feast of St. Fergal, Bishop and Missionary. On Thursday, Kildare and Lachlan Diocese have the dedication of the cathedral. And on Friday, we have St. Andrew Apostle. So just to go back to St. Fergal. St. Fergal lived in France and then in Bavaria, uh, where he founded the Monastery of Shimsey. He was appointed Bishop of Salzburg around 754 and died in 784, leaving a reputation for learning and holiness. So that's Tuesday the 27th. On Friday the 30th, we have one of my favourite apostles, Mm. St. Andrew. St. Andrew came from Bethsaida. He was a disciple of John the Baptist when he was called by Jesus. As we know, he brought his brother Peter to Jesus. He is said to have suffered martyrdom on this date, that's the 30th of November, by crucifixion. But the tradition of an X-shaped cross is much later. He is the patron of Scotland. So hello to all our Scots Mm -hmm. uh, listeners out there. I know at least one Scottish listener, possibly more. He's also the patron saint of Russia and he is the patron saint of fishermen. Very good. Yes, indeed. So, do you have any notices for us? I have two, 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 two quick ones. Uh, first of all, um, just to remind people again, Father Fancy Cullinan uh, is still running the weekly sessions on Christian Catholic faith based on the new Catholicism DVD by uh, Father Father Baron, and that goes uh, that continues on Mondays uh, at seven thirty to nine p.m. Uh, for the next few weeks. It actually finishes up, I think, in early December. But it's certainly on next week anyway. And that's in Rathkill House Hotel. And that's in Rathkill House Hotel. And just one more um, for November, Father Liam Lawton. Um, he'll be on in Ballygran um, on the 7th of December. Uh, doors open at 7.30, concert at 8pm, tickets at €20. Euros, and available for Mary on 087-135-1047. And then Wednesday the 12th of December, Father Liam will be in Kildamo. And tickets are available for Mary, Catherine, Dan and Mary at the numbers posted above. So that's about all I have. Remind people again, I suppose, about the repeat programme? Yes, the repeat programme from the 9th of December, that's Sunday the 9th of December. Our repeat programme is going to change from a Thursday evening to a Sunday evening, 11pm to 12 midnight. But for this week and for next week, it will be going out at its usual time of a Thursday at 10.30pm. Next week... We are going to be celebrating New Year. Yay! Happy New Year! The Church's Mm. New Year. Mm -hmm. And to celebrate that, we're going to have Father Frank Duhigg in to speak with us. Father Frank will give us a few thoughts on Advent, we hope, and will share on the Gospel as well. And just to plug, Father Frank's Lexio Divina takes place every Monday at about five past eight in the parish centre. That's the building in the church car park in Newcastle West. Well worth attending. Absolutely. So until next week, uh, the piece of music we're going to go out with this morning is entitled Song of Thanks. It's by Noel Henry and it's from the album How Can I Keep From Singing. So until next week, God bless. Bye-bye. God bless you now. Bye-bye. Bye. I can see now As I walk this path of life Along with sunshine comes a little strife 
with it Often comes a broken heart And you feel like your whole world has come apart And then from out the darkness comes a light A light that says I'm here to help you fight A light that shines so brightly from above If we only put our trust in His great love Lord, you've opened up my eyes and now I see the wondrous gifts that you have given me like my health my friends my faith and family and living in a country that is free So help me Lord to realize and say A prayer of thanks for each and every day For I know not what tomorrow has in store And soon you may be knocking at my door I used to work long hours every day And at times I thought I don't have time to pray Or spend time with my family that I love And my children that I am so proud of Like so many in my search for happiness I never realized as you might guess That around me all the time were the real treasures And material things and wealth Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.